Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now, your host, James Swanson. Last season, Evan Ingram finished as the number five tight end in fantasy and saw 115 targets, second most to Rob Gronkowski. Hi, everybody. I'm James Swanson, and welcome to Pad the Stats Fantasy Football Podcast. The reason I start off with that statistic today, we are in a hot debate in our fantasy football chat right now, and one of my buddies who took Evan Ingram 87th overall, uh, a nice value considering his ADP of 67, is giving us the business right now because he isn't buying anything uh, I think we're saying about Evan Ingram, but I'm going to tell you why Evan Ingram's not going to live up to what he did last year. So let's let's start off with that right away. And I mentioned the targets, 115. He saw 21% of the team's target share, and it's all great. And, and if you look at the numbers from last year, and it looks fantastic. And Evan Ingram had an outstanding rookie season, as I mentioned, finishing as tight end five in all formats. Here's the problem I have with Evan Ingram. Okay, he saw 21% of his team's target share. Uh, it just feels like that has to come down a little bit with OBJ coming back healthy, with Sterling Shepard coming back, who missed most of last year. Brandon Marshall was out most of last year, so they didn't really have anybody to throw to on the outside. And Evan Ingram ultimately stepped in and filled that void, and he filled it very nicely. I love Ingram's talent. I think he's a very talented tight end and has an opportunity to be a top five tight end for years to come. On the fantasy landscape, here's my problem, okay? Let's break it down by the numbers. Last season, Eli Manning attempted 571 passes in 15 games. Let's say he attempts 575 this year, okay? Easy number to roll with. I'm going to take Ingram's target share because, look, it has to come down a little bit. All right, 21%. I'm going to take it down to 17%. Uh, some of the top tight ends in the league uh, last year, Gronk was at 22%. Um, even Olsen, when he was healthy, was around, I think, 18 19%, something like that. So let's give Evan Ingram 17% of the target share. You, we also have to factor in that Barkley's going to be there now. The Giants haven't had that type of running back, somebody who they're going to throw the football 75 times. So let's give Ingram a 17% target share. And at 575 attempts from Eli Manning, that's 98 targets. So it's down a little bit from what he was at last year. Um, I think he was at, let me double check here really quick. He was at 100, 115 targets last year, right? So let's factor in last season's catch rate of 56%. That's 55 receptions. Factor in last year's yards per catch, 11.3. That's 622 yards. And we'll give him the same number of touchdowns as last year. So 55 catches, 622 yards, six touchdowns. That's 153 fantasy points in PPR. And he would have finished his tight end nine. So that, that's that's my problem with, with Evan Ingram this year. I think the target share could actually be even maybe a, maybe a smidge lower. But at 17%, uh, he hasn't been, as we saw in year one, an extremely efficient pass catcher. And I don't know if that goes up significantly, uh, but he did struggle with drops at times. Look, I just have I just have reservations about him being drafted as, as, as tight end five or even tight end six. Probably why I'm not going to get any shares of Evan, Evan Ingram this year. So 
look, hot take. We we just talked about hot takes, and my buddy basically told me to just shove it, shove your hot takes. Well, I'm going to give you a hot take. Evan Ingram is not going to finish as a, as a top ten tight end this season. You heard it here first. He's not going to finish as a top ten tight end this year. All those weapons included, it's going to take his target share way down. That's just it's just something you gotta you gotta come to realization with is is the is the number of targets are just not going to be there and likewise the production is just going to take uh a little bit of a dip as well all right we have a lot else to get into i just had to blow that steam a little bit and i actually had broke down those numbers a lot at the beginning of the year too on some podcasts that we did you know later earlier in the summer with evan ingram um, but we, it's just me on the podcast today. I am going to touch on some league news and notes. We have a lot of quarterback news actually to get to starting off with the Aaron Rodgers signing a couple quarterback trades as well. And then I'm actually going to go back a week and I realize this is, you know, seven days later and we're already talking about preseason week four, but I want to break down some, f- some film from preseason week three, uh, a couple games that I want to take a look at in particular. So, uh, we'll, we'll get into that last um, first off, though, another guy that I want to talk about, and that's Chris Godwin. Look, he's been getting a lot of hype lately, but I think it's a real possibility that Chris Godwin gets eight, nine hundred yards and six or seven touchdowns this year, and ends up as you know a top thirty wide receiver. I would feel more comfortable saying he's going to be a top thirty-five wide receiver, but he's currently being drafted as wide receiver fifty-seven. So. You can get Chris Godwin in the double-digit rounds. I actually like him more now than any of the Jags receivers, more than DJ Moore, more than Calvin Ridley. I really regret not drafting Chris Godwin ahead of DJ Moore when I had the chance in the, I think it was the 10th or 11th round in our Sunday draft. One of my buddies, well, Pat, who's on the show a lot, told our friend Dwayne, who had the very last pick, and he took Chris Godwin because Pat told him to, and it makes me really mad now, and I just tried to trade DJ Moore straight up for Chris Godwin today to Dwayne, and he, he flat out said, no, I'm not doing it, which is probably the smart move, Dwayne, if you're going to listen to this, doubt you will, because you never listen to our podcast, but it's okay. I think you're going to be very happy with Chris Godwin this year, and it'll probably pay off for you because, again, he is going to be a top 35 receiver he might even be a top 30 receiver and somebody that you can get in the double digit rounds who is ultimately going to be a very very nice flex play for you okay let's get into the news Aaron Rodgers signed a four-year 134 million dollar deal with guarantees over 100 million dollars 33 and a half million a year that makes him the highest paid quarterback next highest is Matt Ryan at 30 million a year so good for Aaron Rodgers he is the best arm talent in the league I've said it many times I don't think anybody would dispute that anyway Teddy Bridgewater was traded to the Saints for a third round pick there's somebody who you should probably have on your dynasty team is Teddy Bridgewater especially once the Saints uh once Drew Brees' contract runs out he's got on two-year deal currently in 2020, we could be talking about Teddy Bridgewater as the potential starting quarterback for the Saints, and I think that's a, probably a pretty good situation with Alvin Kamara probably still there, with Michael Thomas probably still there. They're always bringing in a plethora of weapons, so that could be a pretty good situation a couple years down the road for Bridgewater. The Packers traded Brett Hundley to the Seahawks for a pick. Nothing to really dive into with that too much. Um, obviously Russell Wilson is still very much in the prime of his career and we don't even know what kind of Brett, what kind of quarterback Brett Hundley is so far. He didn't play well last year when Rodgers was hurt, but he has, uh, he has drawn some pretty good praise so far this year in camp. And, um, it also sounds like there are some teams interested in Landry Jones and Josh Dobbs. So something to keep an eye out there. Um, 
you know, I know me as a Steelers fan, I uh, am interested to see which one of those quarterbacks they keep around. Currently four on the roster. I expect them to probably only keep three. It sounds like Randall Cobb is available for trade. That's one one bit of news to really keep your eye on to see if he does get dealt before the beginning of the season. And Tyler Lockett signed a three-year $31.8 million extension. So, uh, look, not somebody I'm particularly excited about, even with Doug Baldwin's bum knee, um, the departures of Jimmy Graham, Paul Richardson. I am not really interested in drafting Tyler Lockett late in drafts. The Seahawks did add Jerron Brown and Brandon Marshall if he makes the team, which I've heard that there are some rumors that he might not make the team, but not really much to report on there. Um, But look, Tyler Lockett, after a promising rookie season where he caught six touchdowns, he's never topped 700 yards in three seasons and he's had just nine touchdowns so total so uh I I don't know just not a lot for me to get excited about Tyler Lockett I don't foresee myself drafting him in the double double digit rounds in any draft I'd much rather have guys like Geronimo Allison like any of the rookie wide receivers um so again just just not somebody I'm I'm really keeping my eye out on right now Adam Gase said he's hopeful Kenyon Drake will see 15 to 20 carries and 6 to 8 targets per game this season. I would still prefer Kenyon Drake, or I would still prefer Derrick Henry and Collins over Drake in half point and non-PPR, but I'm I'm starting to get a little higher on Kenyon Drake. I would take Drake over those two guys in a PPR league. Last season, let's take a look at the five weeks, final five weeks of 2017 for Kenyon Drake. 21 to 22 touches per game. 119 yards per total yards per game. And if he, if he can average close to that again, he'll have about 320 touches and over 18 total, 1,800 total yards. Now, look, I don't expect him to get there, but what's to say that Kenyon Drake can have 1,500 total yards a season? I don't, I don't see why he can't. Uh, if he gets 1,500 total yards, let's say 45 receptions, six total touchdowns, I think you're probably looking at close to a top 12 top 10 back uh, in in PPR. So I'm starting to get more excited about Kenyon Drake. I don't think Frank Gore is going to be that big of a factor. They're going to sprinkle him in here and there. I don't mind taking Frank Gore as maybe a late, late flyer in in some deeper leagues, but Kenyon Drake is definitely still a good guy to own. And we've seen Miami feature backs in the past. I don't particularly love Adam Gase, but I think this is a good situation still for Kenyon Drake. Okay, let's get into some game film review. And the first game that I took a look at, um, just kind of slow-moed it through. Uh, I actually did the condensed version on NFL Game game Rewind. That, that is great. I just love that feature. It's awesome. But the 49ers and Colts was the first one I took a look at. And when I look at the 49ers offense, Jimmy Garoppolo continues to impress me. And the reason I say that is because he just looks really, really comfortable in the pocket. Um, he looks poised. He looks extremely good in the play action game. He's a guy who, when he gets, when they go play action and he gives that fake, whether it's on a stretch play, whether if it, if it's a dive, you know, play action play, when he turns and he gets his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage, it is quick. It is very, very quick. And I'm not talking about the just the release time. I'm talking about when he snaps his head around from that play action, uh, you know, disguise. When he flips his hips and he gets his shoulders turned to the line of scrimmage and, and faces up the defense, it is extremely quick. I, I love that. And when when they when they go to that play action game, they're looking for Pierre Garcon over the middle. That seems to be a, be a play that what they really like. 
But I'll be honest, Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon alike, Jimmy Garoppolo seems very comfortable with both of those guys. So where you were able to get, look, I've talked about Marquise Goodwin quite a bit on this show. And I've talked about the fact that he keeps rising, his ADP keeps pushing up. I'm starting to get off of him a little bit because I don't see him as that super, super value that I I saw him as before when he was going in the seventh, seventh and eighth round. He's all the way up in the fifth round now. I haven't gotten any shares of him since he's been that high. I would love to have Marquise Goodwin on my team because when Garoppolo drops back and they're looking to push the ball outside the numbers, outside the hash marks, it's it's Marquise Goodwin all day. Whether it's a go route, whether it's a hitch route, whether it's an out pattern, whether they're just working the sidelines 12 to 15 yards, it looks like Marquise Goodwin is that guy, which makes sense because he's he seems to have a really good grasp on the total tree uh the the total route tree and it really showed in that Colts game that's not a good defense and it's the preseason I get that but there are some things to take away here folks and if you're looking to take one thing away it's the fact that Marquise Goodwin looks like a total receiver and it's not just about his speed the 4-2 speed that we talk about it's not just about Garoppolo dropping back and, and airing it out to Goodwin it's about what he can do on the total route tree and, and what he can do on the sidelines and what he can do across the middle. So I'm excited about him and Garcon both. I think both of these guys have, have really great upside. I think that Garcon is going to be a very, very nice flex, um, you know, in 12 and 14 team leagues. I think Goodwin has the the potential to be a very good number two receiver on your fantasy team in similar formats. So uh, I liked what I saw from, the limited amount of time that the that the 49ers offense was on the field. Um, I, I just think Garoppolo looks like a franchise quarterback. He stands tall in the pocket, the quick release, and I mentioned the play-action game. I currently have him as my QB 14 just because I'm there are so many good quarterbacks. It's a very deep class, and I still have Big Ben and Rivers ahead of him. I currently had Goff ahead of him because I feel a little more strongly about the Rams offense just from what I saw last year, and I think that even with the addition of Brandon Cooks, that's an upgrade as well over Sammy Watkins at this point, which is crazy to say because I've always been a big Sammy Watkins guy. I still think he's a good talent, but it's just not coming together for him. But that's besides the point. So currently Garoppolo QB 14 in my rankings, and um, I but I can certainly see why people would want to draft him in the top 10. As far as the Colts offense goes, I think Jordan Wilkins looks like he has the the ability to be the best Colts running back between the tackles. He didn't have a lot of opportunity to get to the second level, but that wasn't his fault. That was more of the, the line just being really bad for Indy. Um, I, I thought Luck looked good on some throws and, and was accurate a lot of the time, especially in cuts where he really had to thread it. Uh, hit hit T.Y. Hilton on a nice third down. Hilton was on the left side. Ran a little skinny post slant. Um more of a, a slant pattern, and and Luck threaded it in there. He actually did that a couple times. Wasn't a great throw to Ebron on the touchdown, but Ebron made a nice play, and um, I, I thought overall Luck looked pretty good, except when he kind of stepped up in the pocket a few times. It looked like he took his eyes off down, it you know, off everything going downfield, and he just kind of wanted to tuck it and 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 run or get down. So 
You can tell there's still some, I think, just some rust to be knocked off with Andrew Luck. I'm still very high on him. If I can get him in the seventh round, I'm ecstatic about it. I'm still, ha- I still have him as a, in, in my top five rankings as a quarterback. So I'm not moving off of Andrew Luck yet. I don't think he's looked uh, bad. I don't think he's looked great in the preseason so far. But overall, um, there's again, there's just going to be some some time to knock the rust off for Andrew Luck. Once he gets there, we're looking at a very, very good quarterback, much like we've seen in the past for fantasy. Uh, Okay, let's see here. You know, from what I've seen, Marlon Mack should have a good chance, though, to come back and still get a very good workload. Right now, he's still battling that hamstring issue. Uh, We're not sure if he's going to be ready for week one. I Again, I thought Jordan Wilkins did look good, and he has the chance to be their best runner in between the tackles, but I think Marlon Mack offers them a different dynamic with his burst, explosion, acceleration, his agility, just his overall game. I think he can catch the ball a little bit. I don't know how much confidence they're going to have in Naeem Hines now that he's had four fumbles in two in over the preseason. Um, he does not look extremely confident from what I've seen, rightfully so probably, just given his uh, struggles early on, uh, especially in the return game. So um, I think Marlon Mack is still going to be that guy when he comes back to have the chance at 15-plus touches a game, and I'm excited to have him on my team personally. I think at some point this season, I'm going to be confident sticking Marlon Mack, given that he's healthy, in as my RB2 and, and be happy with those results. So if you if you are drafting or about to draft still, I am still very happy getting Marlon Mack uh, in the seventh round. I don't think he should, if, you know, if he gets into the eighth round, I think, you know, I mean, get on it and draft him. I'm telling you, I think this guy has some serious, serious upside. I'm not talking about an RB1 upside, but I certainly think he has a, a very solid RB2, um, you know, floor if he's, if he's healthy. Um, that's just the issue been, you know, the, it's been the issue to this point with Mac is staying on the field, staying healthy. Um, as far as the other Colts receivers, I thought Ryan Grant and Chester Rogers both made a couple plays, but actually I think, I think Chester Rogers looked crisper and more elusive. He looked very good. He made a move once where he kind of spun out of a, uh, a tackle, made a move up field and then turned it on. And he looked really good. I, I saw Ryan Grant catch a couple passes as well, but I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if Chester Rogers is actually the better wide receiver two but I don't I don't want to get too much on that train of who their wide receiver two is going to be yet until we get into the season a few weeks I think that's how you should probably approach it too I've been drafting Ryan Grant more often um I'm not particularly super excited right now until again I see who it's going to be um and I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for the Colts offense is who you know who's going to be that guy who steps up behind T.Y. Hilton okay another game I wanted to take a look at Saints Chargers Not a whole lot of points from this game, but the one big thing that I noticed is Austin Eckler looks really good. He has nice vision, good speed, good burst, catches the ball very well. Very, very smooth catcher away from his body. Looks like he's uh, extremely comfortable catching the ball out of the backfield on those swing routes and turning his head up, getting his shoulders square, and getting upfield quick. I liked what I saw from him. They featured him an absolute ton uh, on that first drive with Phillip Rivers. Uh, most of the first team offense there. So I I am I've, you know, already been drafting Austin Eckler towards the end of drafts in the double digit rounds, but 
I'm starting to get more excited about him in that 12, 13th round range, probably 13th round where you can get him. I think his current ADP is around that range in the 13th anyway. So if it gets to that point and look, Austin Eckler is, is still there. I think he's somebody, he's a great pickup. If Melvin Gordon goes down at all this year, Austin Eckler is going to be an absolute beast. We saw how they've used pass-catching running backs in that backfield before with Danny Woodhead. Eckler kind of fits that same mold in the sense that he's smaller, not going to be somebody that they're going to put in between the tackles much. But if they decide at all to take some targets away from Melvin Gordon to spread that out a little bit, to use Eckler more, it would not surprise me if he's a guy who could catch 40, 50 passes. I just don't know if they're going to use him that way because they, because Melvin Gordon offers a skill set that is rare in the sense that he can be a three down back. He catches the ball well, you know, exceptionally well too. And we've seen production out of the pass game or in the pass game from Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. So everything uh, is kind of going against Austin Eckler in that sense. But I'm telling you, if you get into the double digit rounds, if you have a chance, grab him because again, if Gordon, if something were to happen to him, uh, I think there's a really good chance that Austin Eckler could be an excellent, excellent fantasy um, fantasy asset and maybe one of the best handcuffs. Okay, uh, let's see what else here. Uh, oh, the other thing actually on Austin Eckler, they also seem to trust him in pass protection. There was a play in the first quarter where he picked up a blitzing linebacker on a second and six play and uh, allowed Rivers, bought him some time, took a deep shot to Travis Benjamin, didn't complete it, but I liked what I saw there, and I think that they, from what I've seen, it, it looks like they trust him in that role. Um, so again, just a, a good pickup. He's currently going behind Devontae Booker, Theo Riddick, LeGarrette Blunt, and Matt Breida. I think I would prefer him over all those guys right now. That was the one really only huge thing that I wanted to touch on in uh in, in that game we didn't see a ton from the Saints and they, they got creative with their play calling ran Kamara a few times he didn't find a whole lot of breathing room from what I saw Michael Thomas looks like an absolute beast so you know if you can get Michael Thomas in the second round even if you go receiver receiver I wouldn't even be that hesitant to take him at the end of the first round right now he just he just looks awesome if he's if he ends the season as wide receiver three or four, three, four, five, you know, somewhere in there, I mean, again, I, I just would not be surprised one bit. The guy is so talented. He looks good. Um, Okay, the, the third game that I wanted to talk about just a little bit, Lions-Bucks. And the first thing that I noticed, and I noticed this last year too, but O.J. Howard is just a massive, massive human. I mean, this guy... He has some serious size and some serious playmaking ability. I saw Fitzpatrick target him. I saw Winston target him, made a couple really good catches. One got called back on an offensive pass interference, but I do think that O.J. Howard could take a step forward this year. He's somebody, when I get into the double-digit rounds, uh, around where George Kittle is going, around where Tyler Eifert's going, kind of in between those guys, um, you know, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, I have found myself leaning towards OJ Howard I do have him a little bit behind um Kyle Rudolph and David Njoku I am low on day on Rudolph and I'll get to my tight end rankings here in a little bit but I have him a step do have him a step behind Njoku uh but OJ Howard is somebody I would not be surprised if he took a step forward this year 
I do understand that Cameron Braid is still there. They signed him into that deal, which really sucks because I think it caps Howard to an extent. But I wouldn't be totally surprised if we saw seven-plus touchdowns this year from O.J. Howard. Okay, the other thing that I wanted to reiterate from this game was just the presence of Chris Godwin. I think he looks elusive in the open field. He looks like he has excellent body control, really high points the ball well. I saw a lot of him at Penn State, what he did in the Rose Bowl. Uh, a couple years ago, and the guy just looks like a playmaker to me, and I think he's going to be a playmaker again this year. I, I mentioned at the top of the show already how high in, I am on him, but uh, he just looked really, really good in this game. Uh, and the other thing, too, for everybody who still wants to believe in Ronald Jones, I just don't think Peyton Barber's going anywhere. I don't see Jones doing much in between the tackles. Peyton Barber is working with the first team solely. He's already been named the starter from what I'm I'm hearing and uh, he just he just looks like the guy uh, early down work. I think they still do sprinkle in Jones once in a while, but I have a hard time visualizing Ronald Jones being fantasy relevant in year one unless something happens to Barber. Uh, I would still rather have Tevin Coleman over Peyton Barber, but um, I think I'm ready to take Barber over somebody like Chris Carson. He's going in the seventh and eighth round, and I, I think that's whereabout you should be targeting him. Um, seventh round, I think at this point is, is fair for Peyton Barber. Um, I, look, I think on the other side of the ball, when we're looking at the lions, I, I do think that carry on Johnson should be given, given the early down work. And I just wish they would cut Amir Abdullah at this point, you know, sprinkle in Laguerre blunt where you have to around the goal line. But I just think that carry on Johnson from what I've seen, from what I saw the other night, when he hits the hole, he looks like a three-down back. He looks elusive. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Now, Theo Riddick is still going to have a role in that offense, no matter what, probably on third down. But I just I, I just see it with Kerryon Johnson. He's one of my favorite rookie running backs. I drafted him in the fifth round of a 14-team league on Sunday. He eventually, once they figure it out that he is the best guy there, he's going to get that work, and I want him on my team when they do. So I'm still okay with, with Kerryon going uh, you know, even in the fifties, um, I'm excited to get him in that range. And I think he's going to be, you know, just fine. Once again, once they figure it out, once that light bulb turns on and for the staff and they, they plug him in, he's going to be really good. I, I just have a really good feeling about carrying on Johnson. Okay. Another game, the fourth game, and, and this was Texans Rams. And there's, there wasn't a whole lot to go from here from the Rams offensive perspective, because there was no golf, no girly, uh, receivers wise they weren't they weren't really playing anybody but on the Texans side of the ball one thing with Deshaun Watson and I've been beating this drum for a little bit that I'm not as high on Deshaun Watson this year because I think he's going to to find some sophomore slumps now that teams have tape on him that seven game stretch that we saw last year where he just lit the league on fire I do think that we're going to take a step back from that a little bit he's going to have a bit of a sophomore slump there's going to be some times where he has just has growing pains this year I still think he's super talented and probably an MVP candidate in future years to come but it's not going to be this year and he looked inaccurate on some throws I realized again it's the preseason we can only read into this so much but he looked inaccurate I wasn't that impressed uh, with the timing of, of some of the routes, some of the throws, and uh, he threw a really, really ugly interception on a, deep, on a deep throw early in the game. I'm, again, I'm definitely not taking him in the fourth and the fifth rounds. I probably wouldn't want to take him until the sixth, mid-sixth round, so I'm probably not going to get any shares of Deshaun Watson based on where he's going. 
Um, but just something to watch out for in year two for Watson that, hey, things might not completely like hit the fan or anything, but there are going to be some times where he just, you know, flat out struggles this year. Okay, uh, last but not least here, I haven't done this yet, really. We went over our top 20 rankings earlier in the year, our PPR rankings, but I haven't actually given my top 10 uh, for each position or my rankings really a lot. So what I'm going to do here, I'm going to run through my top 10 rankings at each position, wide receiver, quarterback, or yeah, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, and uh, tight end. Let me actually start with the quarterbacks, though. So I'm going to run through this. Um, and we'll just go, you know, one through ten. Obviously, at the top here, again, Aaron Rodgers, number one. I, again, just feels like he's the one quarterback who gives you that legitimate chance at forty touchdown passes potentially, and uh, is a lock to score. You know, if he plays sixteen games, a, a handful of more points than the other guys. That's why he's somebody that you've seen taken in the third and the fourth round. Again, I'm more comfortable taking him in the fourth round. That's just me because I don't want to see. Um, I'd rather not take him at his current ADP, which is right around 35. I'd, I'd get him a little bit later if I can get him in the 40s. Anywhere past 40 for Aaron Rodgers, I think is out absolutely outstanding. That goes back to my strategy of waiting on quarterbacks just a little bit. With Aaron Rodgers, it's a much, much smaller uh, uh, window for for where you can wait because people are going to jump on him. Uh, But if you can get him in the fourth round of, you know, the beginning of the fourth round of, say, a 10-team league or the very, um, you know, even at at the very end of the third round, nobody's going to blink an eye at that, really. Um, But... I, again, just, just a little bit more comfortable taking him towards the middle of the fourth round uh, or the early early fourth round. So second, I actually have, this is probably going to surprise some people. I have Drew Brees second, and I think it's going to be another, just a Drew Brees year. Um, I think maybe last year was not really, you know, maybe even a little bit of an outlier. I think the pass attempts come up a little bit this year. So I have him second. I have Russell Wilson third. Um I'm a little bit worried about Doug Baldwin, but I still think that Wilson carries that team. At four, I've mentioned this, Andrew Luck. He's in my inside my top five. We've seen him be a number one quarterback in fantasy before, and he's going to re-enter that top five discussion this year, especially, you know, we are just got to hope that T.Y. Hilton stays healthy. They added Eric Ebron, who I think can be a weapon if he can figure it out and put things together. He's looked pretty good at times so far in the preseason. Doyle still there, who Luck relies on a lot. If they can have a number two receiver step up, I do think that that Colts offense could be could be pretty good, and uh, Luck will put up the numbers to be a top five quarterback this year. Um, fifth, I, I have Tom Brady, and I moved him down just a little bit. I just think this is one of the worst supporting casts he had. He's had with uh, Deion Lewis leaving, uh, with Danny Amendola leaving, with with Brandon Cooks leaving. Um, Julian Edelman suspended the first four games of the year. Look, the Patriots are going to find a way to make it happen. They always do, but I'm dropping Brady down just a little bit because of that. Carson Wentz I have at number six. I had him higher before, but with the knee injury, I'm hoping he only misses two games to start the season, one or two games to start the season. Um, I'm still okay drafting him You know, in the eighth or ninth, probably the ninth round at this point. Um, I was drafting him in the you know, the seventh round before. So um, dropped him down just a little bit. Desha- or Cam Newton 
is actually some my seventh quarterback. Um, I, I don't think a whole lot changes with Newton. We still have concerns over the efficiency, but uh, I still think he could be somebody who, you know, again, produces top six, top seven quarterback numbers once again. Uh, Deshaun Watson, this is probably the biggest surprise for everybody is I have him as my number eight quarterback. Again, I just think he hits a little bit of a sophomore slump this year. Matt Stafford is at number nine, and then Kirk Cousins at 10. I have very high expectations for Cousins this year, though, coming into that offense with Thielen, with Diggs, with the running game and Cook. If their offensive line can just be patched together, stay healthy, that's going to be a very, very good team with also a very good defense. Hopefully some short fields are set up and Kirk Cousins can throw, uh, you know, a good number of touchdown passes. 27-28 I think would be, uh, the you know, kind of the baseline for where I would expect him to be. I would, I actually hope that he can get 30 touchdown passes, but we'll see kind of how that shakes out. Overall, though, I expect the Vikings offense to be, uh, to be very good. So there's my top 10, Rodgers, Breeze, Wilson, Luck, Brady, Wentz, Newton, Watson, Stafford, Cousins, and Roethlisberger. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Just had to make sure I had that right, but, um, I do have Big Ben and, and Rivers just outside my top 10. Let's move it into the running backs. So in a PPR format, I'm leaning Le'Veon Bell number one overall. In a non-PPR and a half-point PPR, I would take Gurley. So we're just going to look at PPR purposes for right now. Bell one, Gurley two. Again, I've talked about this before. The reason I have it that way is I think the catches make the difference for Bell. They're going to be similar in their workload. Don't get me wrong. And I do think the touchdowns come down quite a bit for Gurley. 19 last year, I would expect him to be more in that 12 or 13, maybe 14 range. I think Bell can get a similar number of touchdowns. I think that he can catch 20 to 20 to 25 more passes than Gurley. I think ultimately that is the difference. That's why I'm taking Bell number one and Gurley two. Three in a PPR league, I'm taking David Johnson. Again, it's a catch thing. I think he gets a high volume in the passing game. That gives. That's why I'm taking him third. Elliott's fourth. Um, Kamara is fifth for me. In a non-PPR and half-point PPR, I'm dropping Kamara quite a bit down actually past Barkley and Gordon. Um, Barkley is sixth on my PPR rankings list at running back. Melvin Gordon, seventh. Dalvin Cook, eighth. Kareem Hunt, ninth, ninth, and Leonard Fournette, 10th. Um, Christian McCaffrey is just outside the top 10 at number 11. Look, Dalvin Cook, I'm not backing off of that. I just, I am so high on him. I think that, I actually had him higher before. I had him high as five or six, I believe. I did drop him just a little bit because I'm just starting to get, I've always been down on Melvin Gordon, but I can't deny what he's done, and, and I have to put him uh, just a little bit higher than what I had him. But eventually, the workload that Latavius Murray gets, it's not—it's just not going to scare me as much. And I'm going to stick by my guns there with Dalvin Cook that high. Okay, let's move on to the wide receivers. Number one, this is a no-brainer, Antonio Brown. Then second, uh, I think another no-brainer, DeAndre Hopkins. Third is Beckham, and fourth is Julio Jones. I did struggle a little bit not putting Michael Thomas in that top in that top four because I just think he's he's golden for 90 catches and a thousand yards 11 1200 yards even um 
if the touchdowns can come up from five, we're looking at a monster season for Michael Thomas. I think they will come up from that too. Keenan Allen at number six, hard to argue that when the target share is just going to be enormous for him. AJ Green is at seven. Some of my buddies in our league are down on Green, but I think, again, he's a shoe-in. If he plays 16 games, 80 catches and 1,100 yards, absolute shoe-in for those numbers and probably eight touchdowns. Devontae Adams is uh, my number eight receiver. And again, I think a full season with Aaron Rodgers really does Adams well. And I think he is somebody who could actually be higher than this just based off the touchdowns and the yards. And then Mike Evans, nine. This is the one guy who I'm on the fence about just a little bit because of the inconsistencies he's had in a couple seasons. But you look to those two seasons where he caught 12 touchdowns. And uh, I see that Mike Evans showing up more. So I don't know if he gets to 12, but I think he does get to probably nine, maybe even 10. And then Stefan Diggs um, rounds out my top 10. I'm just ridiculously in love with Stefan Diggs this year. I know Adam Thielen was the target leader in Minnesota last year. I think that changes this year. I think it's much closer, maybe even even split. Maybe even Diggs gets a few more targets. Um, and again, I just think he really shows up this year for Minnesota. And um, you're looking at a, at a very, very good receiver that you can get in the late second round, sometimes even the early third round. I'm I'm absolutely happy to take him there on the turn. If I go Le'Veon Bell 1 in the second round, if I take Gronk and Diggs or T.Y. Hilton and Diggs or Evans and Diggs, I'm very happy to get that combination. So again, Brown, Hopkins, Beckham, Jones, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, Green, Devontae Adams, Evans, and Diggs rounds out my top 10. And then last but not least, my tight ends. The top three, again, are easy with Gronk being number one. I'm, again, I told you the other night, Gronk, I took 33rd overall. Current ADP is 23. Was ecstatic to get him where I got him in the third round. I would start looking at him around 25 overall, and I'm happy to get him at the end of the, on the turn in a 12-team league. Kelsey, I am happy to get him in that middle of third round kind of where he's going he's my second tight end and then Ertz I've seen Ertz be in the third round discussion I would be more comfortable taking him in the fourth round though if you don't get one of these three tight ends Gronk Kelsey Ertz then you're definitely better I I am personally waiting until the seventh round to grab a tight end at this point because I am loading up at wide receiver and running back in those middle rounds after Ertz, it goes Olsen for me at four. I think he has a bounce back here. Jimmy Graham at five, who I was down on originally. I've moved him back up because I think the touchdowns do show up in your eBay this year. I've, I've come back to that a little bit. I had him as one of my busts. I, I still have concerns if he doesn't catch touchdowns that he is going to be a bust, but I'm going to say that, that Rodgers finds him a handful of times. He gets eight touchdowns this year and uh, turns in a, a very nice season. And then... Probably a bit of a difference from most rankings you've seen, but I have Jordan Reed as my sixth tight end. And and I mentioned all of this on the podcast last time. Go back and listen to that in our inner our inner circle podcast. I'll tell you why Jordan Reed's gonna have a monster year. Even if he misses a couple games, he could be a top five tight end. At number seven, I have Trey Burton, who again, new home, new place, but uh I think Burton finds a very nice target share in Chicago this year with Mitch Trubisky. I think Trubisky leans on him a lot. Evan Ingram, I have at uh, number eight. 
um, who I've j- just talked about as well, just a little bit down on him this year. But I do have him in front of Delaney Walker and Ke- uh, Kyle Rudolph. Um, Delaney Walker is my number nine tight end. And then Njoku, I have a 10. I actually have Kyle Rudolph as my 11th tight end. And I, I do see him falling outside the top 10 this year. Um, but but just to recap that, Gronkowski, Kelsey, Ertz, Olsen, Graham, Reed, Burton, Ingram, Walker, and Njoku. I've talked a lot about Njoku, too. I, I really think he takes a big step this year and, and finds a nice uh, a nice home in that offense with Cleveland. I think if Mayfield is the starter at some point, or Tyrod, I've mentioned about how much Tyrod leaned on Charles Clay in Buffalo, the 90-plus targets three years in a row. I think Najoku can get a similar target share, right around 90 targets, 85, 90 targets, uh, maybe maybe even a little bit more. And if he does that and catches some touchdowns, I, I do like him as a top 10 tight end. Um, but yeah, that pretty much rounds out all of my rankings. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to have try to get those up. I don't know if I'm going to have the website. That was kind of my goal, but it's just been such a struggle. Again, this is not my, my full-time job. I do work a full-time job, you know, 40, 45 hours a week, Monday to Friday. So I do the podcasting thing on the side. If I can get my rankings up prior to week one, absolutely going to, going to do that. But if not, uh, we're still going to be turning out the podcast, you know, two to three times a week. I'm actually going to try for four podcasts a week. Once the, once the season starts, um, so look out for that schedule. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, be giving you more information on that. But thanks everybody who joined the show again. Um, you know, go follow us at Pad the Stats on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I'll have this podcast up um, here soon. Until next time, everybody. We'll talk to you later. And uh, everybody, have a great, great Thursday night. Have a great weekend. Football is right around the corner. Next week is Week One. So excited about that. Uh, just really, really can't wait. So talk to you soon, everybody. Bye-bye.